Pretty powerful song, wasn't it? Sometimes we just got to let go of some things. You know, we've been talking about for, this is actually the fourth weekend, talking about, uh, what was our topic? Anger. And um, first two weekends, we talked about human anger and what the Bible has to say about human anger. And then last weekend, we talked about righteous anger. And uh, then we kind of ended with uh, Acts chapter 24 that talks about exercising our conscience to be void of offense or to be void of anger toward God and man. I mean, this is something, when I first started, I'm saying, you know what, this probably is not very relevant to our congregation. But you know something, I found out this particular theme that I'm talking about today uh, is something I've talked to about probably every year or two, and I've did more personal counseling, even to a lot of pastors over the years, on this whole thing of anger and bitterness and resentment and, and things like this. This is, uh, this is something that, uh, if we're not careful, we can get caught up in. And it has great consequences if we don't deal with our anger properly, you know, biblically. So, uh, in the, the book of Acts, it says, the apostle Paul says, and herein do I exercise. Now, how many of you have ever joined an exercise gym or club or something? Have you ever done that? Uh, d- did, by paying your dues, did it help you? It, it did make your wallet lighter probably, right? But, and, and you could pay for your family members or friends or a neighbor to become a member of a gym that you could go every day if you wanted to. But somebody actually, more than just paying the money, somebody's got to go extra, do the exercise, right? Or don't benefit nobody, you know? And the Apostle Paul says, and herein do I exercise, and that's from an intense training, I exercise myself. And exercise is something you got to do for your own self. Many people have joined gyms and just didn't go and exercise, and therefore it didn't do any good for you. So if you know what to do, and I've talked to several folks who they know what they do, but they, they just needed a reminder. They needed to be reminded how to do this because exercise, physical exercise is beneficial to your body, but there's a spiritual exercise that is beneficial to our entire being. And the Apostle Paul says, in Acts 24, 16 says, and herein do I exercise myself. To have always, all the time, to always, to have always a conscience. You know, you're, you're talking about your conscience. To have a conscience that's void of offense, that's empty, I'm not offended, that's void of anger, I'm not angry, I'm not offended. Always have a conscience that's void of offense toward God and toward man. Because if we're tempted to be angry at God. God, why did you let that happen to me? Or we're, we're tempted to be angry at people. Why did you do that to me? Why did you hurt me like that? You know? And we're tempted to be offended. And the Bible says offenses must come. They will come at us. But you don't have to give in to them. And, and the Apostle Paul, and it's very significant that he's the one who's teaching us how to do this. He says, I, exer- I exercise, I do spiritual exercise, so I have a clear conscience. I'm not offended at God, and I'm not offended at man. I'm not angered at God, I'm not angered at man, because I've learned how to exercise to stay spiritually fit, is what he's talking about here, you know. And, and I don't know if you can use it or not, but the devil works for years. He actually works for years to try to trap you. He works diligently to try to trap you, to try to neutralize you, to, to try to uh, imprison you. The devil works for years to try to do this, to take you out of the battle because he doesn't want you to make an eternal difference in anybody's life. And he don't want you to succeed, that's for sure. You know, And so he's been working for a long time 
to destroy you and me. John 10, 10 says the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And that's what he wants to do. And if he can get you angry, offended, bitter, resentful, nursing a grudge, you nurse a grudge, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, he can take you out of the battle and you can produce zero if you got anger that you don't deal with according to the way the Bible says to do it. During war, World War II, the United States submarine Tang, it surfaced under the cover of darkness to fire upon a large Japanese convoy off the coast of China. Since previous raids had left the American vessel with only eight torpedoes, the accuracy of every shot was absolutely essential. The first seven torpedoes were right on target. But when the eighth torpedo launched, it suddenly deviated and headed right back to their own ship, the submarine. The emergency alarm to submerge rang out, but it was too late. Within a matter of seconds, the United States sub, the Tang, received a direct hit and sank almost instantly. It's pretty bad. When, when you destroy your own sub. Isn't it? Truth of it is, we can destroy ourselves. Now, people sometimes didn't know this, but we can destroy ourselves by anger, by resentment, you know, because we don't forgive other people. We can destroy ourselves. It's just like that torpedo that goes, and there ain't nothing you can do unless we get free of this anger. It hurts us more than anybody else. Now, uh, this week, um, my wallet messed up. My, my, my bill for my wallet has a zipper. It goes around it so nothing, you know, falls out of, you know, and the zipper got stuck. And I needed to get it out. I was paying for gas or something. I needed to get it out, so I busted the zipper on your wallet. You know, it's just like, ah. Uh. So I, I have a money clip. Anybody ever here, here use a money clip? It's a nice little clip. You put your uh, driver's license, maybe a credit card, a few dollars in. So I've been carrying a money clip since then. And this money clip helps me remember this lesson. You know. And anything, you know, I give y'all stuff every once in a while, a rock, a little straw with a little white flag on it, remembers. I'm always giving out stuff to help you remember stuff. And so this money clip helps me remember this lesson, you know. Now, I don't laugh at your stuff. Come on now. What's going on here? I mean, it holds the money really tight. You do have to be kind of careful with it. Oh, man. All I need is a volunteer. Who's got strong fingers. I'm not scared of it. The Bible tells us in that verse we was reading where Paul says, I exercise my conscience to be void of offense. The word offense, the, the Latin word there is scandalon, which means the trigger stick. You remember last week I was trying to build a little trap here with a brick, had three little sticks, and the uh, trigger had peanut butter. I said, don't touch the bait. Boom, because it'll go down. Well, here, this is the trigger. Yeah, no volunteers. I'll just have to use a pen, I reckon. Okay, so that's where you put the bait. If you get angry, you're resentful, you're unforgiving towards anybody, uh, you're going to touch the trigger. That will happen to you. Now, I don't know what's going to happen when I hit this, probably not much, but watch your eyes, you know. It's like when you touch the bait, this piece of plastic is about as strong as the finger bone. Can you imagine what happened? Lord have mercy. Where did the ink stuff go? Oh, you have a piece. How come you get my ink pen back here? Are you okay? Well, I meant to tell y'all to wear glasses with this experiment here. You know what? I keep getting ink all over my hand. Oh, look at there. I got ink on my Money clip. 
There's wisdom. You do it under your arm. Nobody will ever see the ink under there. You know? But I was thinking, this is awesome. I just, I'm going to start carrying uh, this thing cocked. That way, nobody will ever pick your pocket. You know what I'm saying? If you can carry it. No? Yeah, I probably need to get on with the rest of my lesson, shouldn't I? Yeah? Oh, here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, here. You know what? Let me, let me put this back here. Can I do that? All right. Yeah, putting your money in here. People do look at you funny when you go to pay for stuff, though. You know? Y'all have money clips. You said you did. Whoops, the little thing is sticking out there. Got to put that back in. But see, my money clip reminds me. Don't, I think he's getting stuck. Yeah, it's not as good as some money clips, but it works pretty good most of the time. But it reminds me, don't be angry. Don't be resentful. Don't nurse a grudge. You know, forgive. Because if you don't forgive, you're touching the bait. You see what it did to my ink pen? There's pieces of a little broken ink pen. Oh, oh, my, I see the ink on the carpet. If you kneel around the carpet, expect to get ink on your knees today, okay? If you come around the altar, we'll clean that up. It'll be fine. But if you got bitterness in your heart towards somebody and you refuse to forgive them, even if they're 100% wrong and you're 100% right, if you don't forgive them, if you remain angry, Paul says, hey, I exercise my conscience to be empty of offense, to be empty of anger and resentment and bitterness, you know. I exercise, I exercise on a daily basis to be free of all that because if you're not free of it, you're trapped. And there are consequences that really hurt you and everything that's dear to you. Now, the apostle Paul is the one who said, I exercise my conscience to be void of offense. And, and if anybody had a reason to be offended at God or people, he did. Let me read it to you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, it says, Are they servants of Christ? There was people really picking on Paul, agitators, you know, criticizing him and putting him. He said, Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman. It's Apostle Paul. He said, I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder. I've been put in Prison, what's that say? More often. He had been in prison for sharing the gospel. He said, I've been whipped. Times without number. You, you really couldn't even keep up with the number of stripes, the scars that he had on his body because he had been beaten so many times for sharing the gospel. He says, I've been whipped. Times without number. And faced death, how? Again. And again, this right here blows my mind. He says, five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. And it wasn't like a bullwhip, you know, you go and leaves one stripe on you. It was what they call a cat of nine tails. It, it, it's a whip that has nine pieces of leather. Oh, there's more ink over there. How about that? Okay, uh, nine pieces of leather and, uh, you know, nine pieces of leather they go from the one handle, and they dip it in sheep's blood. It's kind of like glue. And then they, they dip it in broken pieces of pottery and shards and all. And sometimes they'll have some sharp pieces of bone that's actually stitched onto the whip. And these little pieces are like glass. It's like glued to it. And when they hit you one time, whoosh, it makes nine stripes. And it usually wraps around you, and then they pull it, and it strips little pieces of flesh off. So one whip... Adds up how many stripes? Nine. Two whips. Y'all are doing good, you know, early this morning. So by the time you whip somebody 39 times, each whipping leaves nine stripes. You know how many that adds up to? A bunch. <laughs> A bunch of stripes. And he said, listen to this, he says, five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 
39 lashes. And you know why they gave him 39. Because the Romans had perfected this deal. Every time they whipped a man 40 times with this whip, it killed him. So they just backed off. People didn't die. They'd recover so they could beat him again. And that's, that's, that's the way it was, for real. And Paul, for preaching the gospel, had been beaten with the cat of nine tails, not once, but five different occasions. And he already says he'd been whipped times without number. He couldn't count how many times he'd been beaten before. And then he goes on to say in verse 25, three times I was beaten with rods, long poles, sticks, leaded whips, sticks, you know, these rods. He'd been beaten for sharing the gospel. He'd given us up. He was a, a bright man. And he was sharing. And every time he shared the gospel, people, literally hundreds and thousands of people got born again. And then after they we having this great revival like maybe we would, you know, after VBA, we'd sit around, have a cup of coffee and talk about, hey, we led 300 kids to Christ this time. He never had the joy of doing that. When he led people to Christ, whole families, then the religious leaders of the community would imprison him or beat him. I mean, if anybody had a reason to be, God, why are you letting this happen to me? He could have justifiably fussed at God about it. But we're not done here yet. He, he goes on to say in verse 25, three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. And he wasn't talking about narcotics either. <laughs> he, was, he was stoned with big rocks. And they were using like grapefruit-sized rocks. All it takes is a good one to the head, you know. And actually, they knocked him out, you know. They checked. He wasn't breathing no more. All the disciples kind of gathered around and were praying, and their hearts were broken. And then he started stirring and moving. He got up. He said, well, let me finish my sermon. Of course, he had, you know, bruises and scratches and bleeding. And this is only for sharing the good news with people. This is what the religious people did to him. And he says right here in verse 25, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Three times he was shipwrecked because he was going from place to place to share the gospel. So how many times was he aboard a ship if three of them ended up in shipwreck? He said, once I spent a whole night and a day at drift at sea, holding on to just a board. Can you imagine a whole day and a night hanging on to a board at sea? Just for preaching the gospel. God, can't you take better care of me than this? Maybe he could have thought that way. But you know, there's another passage that Paul penned. It says, and we know that all these things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Although he had all kinds of terrible things that was happening to him. Verse 26 says, I've traveled on many long journeys. And he didn't have cars and planes and trains. They walked. He said, I've traveled on many long journeys and I've faced danger from rivers. Are rivers dangerous? Crossing the rivers to get from place to place? I used to uh, uh, do a little bit of fly fishing on the Housatonic River years ago. I go more to the Farmington uh, uh, now, but on the Housatonic, we would camp close by there and I would go out there fly fishing. I'm wading. I'm in a water about this deep and uh, there's a dam way upstream and every once in a while they open the dam and let the water come out. And there's a time or two where the water was too deep for me to go back to the campsite over there. And I was stuck on the other side of the river. You know, and the current is moving. It's just like it's almost going into my waders and it's about to blow me away. And off, I'm just telling you, the, the force of a river can be really dangerous. It really can. That's why if you wear waders, you always tie a belt up here so if you fall in it, don't fill up and pull you down. I'm just saying there's power in the water, you know. And he says here, I've traveled on many, verse 26, I've traveled on many long journeys, and I face danger from rivers, crossing the rivers, and from robbers. He had been robbed, you know. He says, I face danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I face dangers in the cities and in the deserts and on the seas, and I face dangers from men who claim to be believers but are not. I mean, this guy had had a lot of bad stuff happen. He says, I have worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and I've been thirsty and have often gone without food. And I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. 
He says, and then beside all of this, my, my reason for all this traveling, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Because he'd lead people for Christ, establish a church. Then he'd travel on, lead a bunch of people to Christ, and leave a church there on enough. And he was concerned about people, of, of uh, the wolves sneaking in and teaching them false doctrine and stuff like that. But he had so many things that had happened to him that we would consider bad, wouldn't we? You know? And, and Paul was the one who said, I exercise my conscience. To have a clear conscience. To be void of offense. I'm not angry. I'm not offended you know, at God or, or at anybody else because I know that God works all things together for good for those who love him. And I love being called according to his purpose. Listen to what it says here in verse 29. It says, who is weak without my feeling that weakness? Who is led astray? He's talking about in the churches and I do not burn with anger, righteous anger. Let me read that to you in the Message Bible, verse 29. It says, when someone gets to the end of his rope, I feel the desperation in my bones. When someone is duped into sin, they're deceived, they're tricked, they're fooled. When someone is duped into sin, an angry fire burns in my gut, you know, because I want to protect these people. I want them to become fully devoted followers of Christ. He said, if, if it could have gone wrong, it went wrong with Paul. It really did. All these things, but he was not bitter. He did have no resentment toward God. He didn't have a grudge. He says, I exercise my conscience to be void of offense toward God. It's okay. And toward man. He goes on to say in verse 30, if I must boast, Paul said, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. Now, do we boast about the things that shows how weak we are? Or do we prefer to boast about the things that we're strong in? We kind of like to say, well, I've got this degree and I can play this and play that and I've got this and I'm really good at this and I'm good at that and I'm strong in this area. We like to boast about our strengths, not our weaknesses. We like to hide our weaknesses. But Paul said, if I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show my weakness, how weak I am. God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is worthy of eternal praise, knows that I'm not lying. I'm telling you the truth. He says, and, and when I was in Damascus, the governor under King Aretas, uh, kept guards at the city gates. They're trying to catch me going in and out. Uh, verse uh, 33 says that I had to be lowered in a basket through a window in the city wall to escape because they're trying to kill me. Uh, let me read it again. Acts chapter 24, verse 16. He says, and herein do I exercise. I strive. This is intense training. Paul says, I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense, a clear conscience toward God and toward man. I will not be bitter. I will not have resentment. I'll not let the sun go down while I'm angry about anything he's telling us. Because you know, if, if, if you go to sleep and you're angry, you've let the devil get a mighty foothold in your door and he plans on some destruction. That's why he does that. The devil is, you know. So does your actions and, and the, the tone of your voice, does it in uh does it seem angry to other people by the way you do things or the tone that's in your voice? They hear the door slam maybe or the, you know, in your voice. Do people ever do that for you? Are you upset about something? No, I'm fine. Okay. I'm telling you, anger and bitterness and resentment and grudges is hurting you physically spiritually, financially, and relationally. There are things that are not going well in your life because of that. But when you get it right, even like Paul had always said, God turned it around and worked it together for good. The sharks were circling as Paul was hanging onto that board. You know, they're getting closer and closer. And a ship comes over the horizon, comes over. Hey, could you use a ride? Thank you. And they're pulling him in the ship. The shark jumps and goes, ah, oh, just missed him. Now, what do you think? Testimony went out there about this guy, Paul, who was all scarred up from all these beatings. He wasn't afraid of nothing. He just obeyed God. And people would be waiting on the shore. They wanted to hear this man that spent a night and a day shipwrecked, you know, out at sea. God turned every situation that Paul ever went through, he turned it around and worked it together for good in his life. That's just the way it was. Listen to what it says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. 
It says, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God. Now, you know, he was a phenomenal teacher. Would you like to receive some awesome revelation from Almighty God? Huh? You say, I read the rest of the verse. I'm not sure. Paul says, and he was a phenomenal teacher, and he led a lot of people to Christ. He says, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Now, I wonder who gave him this thorn. It wasn't Satan. The rest of the verse says it was a messenger from Satan. Somebody gave me this messenger of Satan. It was called a thorn in the flesh. Every time I preach the gospel and hundreds of people, thousands of people get saved, the religious leaders would come out and they would stone me. They'd run me out of town. They would imprison me. They abused me. I didn't have any provisions. I'd, I'd spend the night in the woods, no, nothing to keep warm, you know, uh, nothing to eat. And I just led hundreds of people to Christ. He says here, so to keep me from becoming proud. Now, why would, why would not God, God not want us to be proud? You remember Lucifer? That's what they called the devil. He was casted out of heaven because of pride. And what's the center of pride? P-R-I-T-E. It's I. And the Bible says that God resists the proud. He don't bless the proud. He resists. Uh, you get, no, get away, get away. So the Bible says, but he gives grace to the humble, you see. And he says here, in verse uh, 7, he says, Even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me, to keep me from becoming proud. Because God didn't want him to become proud because then God resisted him. Pride is, is one of the characteristics of Satan. He's always trying to get us pumped up with pride so God will resist us. And God had given him a, a tremendous ability to communicate biblical truths. Wonderful revelations, it says. But God didn't want him to be destroyed. Have you ever done something really good and you kind of feel pretty good about it? <laughs> Boy, I'm doing pretty good here, you know. Pride comes before the fall, it tells us as well. Anyhow, so in verse 8, it says, three different times I begged the Lord to take this thorn in the flesh, this messenger of Satan. Don't let him come near me no more, you know. And each time he, talking about Jesus, Jesus said, my grace. Understand grace is God's unmerited favor. We understand grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. But the best biblical definition of grace is enabling God's enabling power. He says, Jesus said, my enabling power, my grace is all you need. My, my grace is all you need and my power works best in your strength. Is that what it said? No. Jesus said, my power works best in your weakness. Nobody likes to brag about their weaknesses. But Jesus says, my power works better in you when you're weak. Because you take credit for it when you're strong. Well, look what I did. I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. You know, I'm a self-made man. You didn't make much, did you? You know? He says here, I begged the Lord three times to take it away. And each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. The apostle Paul says, so now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses. So that the power of Christ can work through me. So the power of Christ can work through me. And everybody who sees the power of Christ and the miracles and the wonders and all, they recognize that's a God thing happening in that man. He couldn't do that. That's God working in his life. That's God working in her life, you see. He says, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Verse 10 says, that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Could we repeat that last part of that verse together? It says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's read it one more time. 
For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now that doesn't make sense to the human mind. But God's ways are higher than ours. He don't do things like humans do. We can learn his ways, and Paul was surely learning them. He says that his strength works better in my weakness. This is what he said. Now, Paul was not saying, God, why would you let this happen to me? He was saying, God works all these things together for good. All the beatings I went through, all the imprisonments. When I'm talking to people, they go, well, you don't understand. You just had it good all your life. I spent a couple of uh, years in prison. Oh, you've been in prison too? Did God do anything good for Paul while he was in prison? Most of the New Testament, Paul was so busy. God said, I need to send you to a nice little resort. They call it jail. They'll provide you bread and water while you pen the, a lot of the, the truths that's found in this book. And if it hadn't been for his little prison stays, we wouldn't have a lot of this book right here because he had time there to get it to us. God works it all together for good. And you exercise your conscience to be void of offense. I'm not going to be angered. I'm not going to be offended. I'm not going to be resentful. I'm not going to nurse a grudge toward God or anybody else. Because those things, when you touch that bait, I mean, it can snap a finger, but it can break a lot of other things that's in our life. It really can, you know. When uh, you're offended, you cannot see God. I'm just telling you, that's just the way it is. When you're offended, all you can see is them, what they did, what they said, and you talk about it all the time. So I can be with somebody for a little while, and it don't take long to do it. You know, when you're talking, he did this, she did that, they did this, they did this. Like, you are bitter. You're nursing a grudge, and that grudge is going to get bigger and healthier, and it's going to consume you. You're angry. You're offended. God gives us one day to deal with our anger before the sun sets. And if you don't deal with it, the devil's got his foot in your door, and he means to bring destruction into your life. That's just the way it is. So we cannot afford to touch the trigger stick. We can't afford to touch that the bait, bam, and then we're trapped, you see. And Paul says, hey, I got lots of reasons I can be offended at God, but I exercise. You got to do your own exercise. I exercise my conscience to be empty of offense toward God and toward man. You think about that. Now, I was saying, when you're offended, you can't see God. Right now, do you see what God's doing in your life? Do you see God at work in your family and in your community and in your work situation? All Can you actively see what God's doing? A lot of people can't. Use the indication that you got some offense towards somebody, some anger, some bitterness, some resentment somewhere. That's probably. You remember Stephen, the very first uh, deacon found in uh, Acts chapter 7, I believe it is? And, and when he would go and take meals to the widows and things like that, that's what he did. He would share the gospel with them. The religious leaders didn't like it. They got upset with him. And they pulled him off one day into a little corner somewhere, and, and they were going to stone him. And, and there was a, one of the religious leaders of that day was named Saul of Tarsus. And he held their coats. He said, okay, stone him. And as he's being stoned, I don't know if you remember what he said, but he says, Father, Jesus had already been crucified at this time. He was following the example, and he says, Father, lay not this sin to their account. He says, don't hold this against them. What did Jesus pray when he was on the cross? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And Stephen prayed something very similar. And he prayed for this guy whose name was Saul of Tarsus. And then after he prayed for that, then he said, Oh, I see Jesus. I see Jesus at the right hand of the, the Father. That made them all mad. They threw bigger rocks and faster, and they killed him. But God answered Stephen's prayer because Saul of Tarsus, the religious leader of that day, he met Jesus not long after that on the road to Damascus, and God changed his name to Paul, from Saul to Paul. That's the Apostle Paul who we've been reading about, who says, I exercise my conscience to be void of offense. He said, I, I know that all things work together for good for those who love God and call it his, according to his purpose. God answered Stephen's prayer as he's dying from rocks to the head. He said, don't lay this sin to his account. God answered his prayer Save Paul shortly thereafter. Paul became one of the greatest, most phenomenal apostles to ever walk this land. It's just phenomenal how that works. But when you're offended, 
You can't see God. Stephen saw God. But when you're offended, you just see that thing. You remember what she said? You remember what he said? And then you go and gossip about it. You know, you just get all bent out of shape about it. You talk about it, and that reinforces it. And it gets worse. The grudge, the grudge, the grudge gets bigger. His teeth get bigger. You know what I'm saying? You know, while the devil is roaring, you've heard the scripture that says the devil comes as a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. Are you afraid of lions? You know, uh, years ago, a few years ago, I was uh, snowshoeing up on the mountain behind our house, and uh, I was following a mountain lion. Uh, his tracks were this big in the snow. And a neighbor, two houses down from me, had told me that him and his daughter were out in the back, and they watched for an hour a mountain lion. It's 150 yards from my house. So this past week, I was up there, just spent a little time on the mountain praying. I was there, you know, until after 12, I think. And I uh, had a little, little fire going up, up there and praying. And if, if y'all heard sounds coming from the mountain, it was probably me singing or something, you know. It might not sound pretty to you, but God kind of liked it, I think. But I was on that same cliff where I had seen these mountain lion tracks that I had taken pictures of. I thought about it when I was up there. And I did hear noises all out in the bushes there. I was on the peak here, and it went down. You think I was afraid of that lion? <laughs> well, let me just put it this way. I had something with me to equalize the situation. <laughs> and I did not mind. I was thinking, this would be cool to have a nice lion skin in front of my fire. But let me tell you something. If you've got anger and bitterness and resentment in your heart, you better not go up on my mountain. That's dangerous, you know. But if you forgive those who have hurt you, you've got something to resist the lion with your own self. Because some people are just hearing the lion roar and it puts fear and panic into them. But other people who've forgiven and they're free, they hear a still, small voice. Even though you might hear a lion roar, they hear this still, small voice saying, okay, let's go this way. Oh, let's go this way. That still small voice that says, hey, why don't you just pick up five stones right there, put them in your little bag. Why don't you put a stone in that slingshot, aim at that head over there, boom. What was that, what was that head's name? Goliath. You know, God is forever speaking in a still small voice. But if you get anger and bitterness in your, your, your heart, all you hear is a lion roar and you're fleeing and you're running here and you're running there. And when you're running like that, you can run into trouble just as easy as running away from it. But if, if you forgive people who've hurt you, then you can hear the still small voice of Almighty God. You can't see him when you're offended. All you see is the offense. What he did, what she did, what they did, blah, blah, blah on and on and on. That's just the way it goes, you know. So while others are hearing the devil roar, others are hearing the still small voice of God. Listen to what it says here in 2 Chronicles 6. Verse 9, it says, and the New King James Version says, For the eyes of the Lord. Did you know God had eyes? You and I are created in His image. He's got two eyes, two ears, nose, mouth. He says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. God's looking over the whole earth. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Another translation says, whose heart is perfect toward him. Another translation says, whose heart is pure toward him. When you've got bitterness and resentment, anger in your heart, your heart is not pure. It's not. You know, you're in a dangerous situation in your own self, but when you forgive everybody who's ever hurt you, you exercise your conscience to be void of offense, I'm telling you, when you do that, the eyes of the Lord is looking for somebody just like you so he can show himself strong on your behalf. You know, you just sling a little old stone and God directs it, boom, and you slay the giant that's trying to wreak havoc in your life. But see, if you got anger, you're not going to see God. 
God is not going to come and show himself strong on your behalf because your heart is not loyal. Your heart is not pure, you know. So when, when offended, your heart is impure. But if you'll exercise your conscience to be void of offense toward God and toward man, and, and did I tell you how to do that? How you, exercise? you know, people come up lots of times and they'll say, Pastor Ron, would you pray for me that I can forgive so-and-so? And I go, nope, I ain't going to do that. And I do that for shock value mostly, you know. And they go, oh, listen, you're going to have to do it, but I'll coach you through the process. Somebody hurt you really fed? Yeah. You know, okay, well, what we're going to do, it has nothing to do with feelings. We're just going to obey God, forgive them. And when you forgive them, that means that you declare that they're innocent, not guilty. Well, I can't do that. Oh, so when God forgives you, do you want him to declare that you're innocent? Do you want God to say, they're not guilty? Is that what you want it? Sure. So when you forgive somebody else, you have to declare that they're innocent. I've forgiven you. You're innocent now. You're not guilty. It has nothing to do with feelings. I'm doing it because God said to do it. Okay, and I've, I've done that with people right around this altar hundreds of times. And they come back the next week and go, it didn't work. I'm going, yes, it did. No, it didn't. I said, yes, it did. I was here with you. You, 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 you released it. A couple days later, someone was talking about so-and-so. Boy, I just got hopping mad about it all over again. Like, just because we get the trap off your finger don't mean that you can't go stick your finger back in there and get trapped again. So if what you did, you didn't exercise. That means, okay, I forgave him today. Tomorrow, when I think about what he did, she did, somebody says their name, it starts rising up, you have to exercise. Like, Father, I distinctly remember yesterday, two days ago, I forgave them for what they had done to me and how they had hurt me, and I released them, and, and, and I declared them innocent, and they're not guilty. Now, you might have to do that two, three, four, five times a day when it comes back up and you start thinking about it. And you go, Father, I remember last week I, I forgave them. I declared they're innocent, not guilty. The same way when you forgive me, you declare me innocent, not guilty. Lord, please bless them. After a couple of months, three or four months, you start feeling sorry for them. Hey, Father, forgive them. They had no clue what they were doing to me. Oh, it might look like this. Just forgive them and bless them. And then you move forward. See, if you don't exercise your conscience, when you start thinking about them, somebody talks about them, who they had hurt them, then you grab a hold of the, the bait again. Boom! And you're in trouble again. So Paul says, I exercise on a regular basis every day to have a conscience that's empty, that's void of offense toward God and toward man. So as you look around, what do you see? Do you see people who have offended you, who've hurt you? Or do you see God? God's on the move. Look here. God's speaking and he's on the move everywhere. But some people who, who got a little anger in their, toward their hearts, toward somebody, they don't see God. They don't hear him saying, this is the way. Because he speaks, speaks in a still small voice. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, in the Message Bible, it says, you're blessed when you get your inside world, you're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right. He says, you're blessed when you get the insides right. When you deal with the anger and the resentment and the bitterness and the, the grudges and all, you're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right. Then, once you get that all dealt with, then you can see God in the outside world. Really? Well, I ain't never seen God. Well, let's get this stuff on the inside right so you can see Almighty God at work. You see His fingerprints everywhere. God's on the move in your life and in your family's life. You know, Paul, he saw the invisible God. Listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Now, he had lots of troubles that came against him for preaching the gospel. If anybody was going to get discouraged and lose heart, it would have been him. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, you know, ain't got as much hair as I used to have. And what hair I do have is not the same color it used to be. My teeth ain't near, near as tight in my, my gums as it used to be. My skin's getting a little bit on the wrinkle, a little saggy side, you know. I need a lot more stuff to cover all that stuff up. He says here in 2 Corinthians 4, 17, he said, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away. We're getting older. 
We're wasting away. God gave us a, a body that will keep us here temporary because he's got a better place for us. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. No matter how bad things might see, we're being renewed day by day and we're forgiven and, and all. And he says in verse 17, this is the Apostle Paul who just told us about how many times he'd been beaten and stoned and imprisoned and shipwrecked and all. He says, for our light and momentary troubles. You call hanging to a board for a day and a night, being circled by sharks, light and momentarily? He says, yeah, because God's working it together for good. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. If, if he hadn't had the trouble in prison, we wouldn't have the eternal word of God. If Jesus had not been beaten and put on a cross, our sins couldn't be washed away. And through the difficulties that come to us, we go, God's going to work this thing together for good. He turns it around, and tremendous good comes out of it. But not if you gossip about it, and you're bitter, and you're resentful. Ain't no good comes out of it. Just a lot of bad happens in your own life because of that, you know. Anyhow, looking at verse 18, Paul goes on to say, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, you know. Because what, what is seen, he says, he says, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is, what's that word? Temporary. It's here today, gone tomorrow. So don't just stare at circumstances going to change. Keep your eyes on God. Keep your eyes on his word. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. God is eternal. His word, his promises, heaven is eternal. The rewards that God has stored for you. Keep your eyes there. He's talking about faith here. And see, faith sees eternal things. Faith enables us to see God, but anger and bitterness, it blinds us. And we can't see God. All we see is the, the things that hurt us, the offenses, and we gossip and talk about them all the time, and it works havoc. We've taken the bait. It's hurting us in every area of our life. We got to get free, you know. We got to get free. One summer, a farmer, he's a nice old guy, his cows got into the neighbor's corn, you know. The neighbor wasn't such a nice old guy, you know. He, he put all the cows in the barn and he made the guy who owned the cows pay him dearly to get his cows back. The guy paid and got him back. That fall, that Farm, the, the neighbor, the mean guy, he had pigs. His pigs got loose and got into the kind farmer's garden, big, huge garden. Trump ate all kinds of stuff and started rooting up all the potatoes. You know, they got a big old stout nose that's really hard, and they root it and just tear and make a mess out of everything. The kind farmer, he caught all the pigs. He got them back into the man's pen, patched the hole in the pen. Didn't charge him anything for them. That night, the mean old farmer who charged the guy to get his cows back, him and his wife came over to thank the kind farmer for bringing his pigs back and not charging him. And that mean old farmer and his wife got saved. They came to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior in that farmer's house that night because they weren't mean, they weren't angry, they saw it as an opportunity. And if that's what it cost, he, maybe he lost his whole crop of potatoes it was worth it to have shown the love of Christ and win that family to Christ. You know what I'm saying? God works it all together for good if we put our trust in him. He really does, you know. So, though we're tempted, don't take the bait. Don't put your finger on that little trigger stick there. Now, can I ask you guys a question? This is, a pers this is For real, this is a personal question. Ladies, have you ever been bitter towards your husband? I didn't ask you to laugh. I asked you. Have, being honest, have you ever been bitter towards your husbands? That was kind of wimpy, but there was a few that said, yeah. Yes. 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 You too? Yes. Okay, here comes another question. Guys, and be honest with me. Have you ever been bitter towards your wives? That was a loud one. That made up for you other wimpy guys who didn't say nothing. 
<laughs> but God knows. He didn't say anything about the women, but let me read you what Colossians 3.19 says. It says, husbands. It's like I'm being called to the principal's office. You know, ooh. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Because God knows. I'm going to tell you, I, no matter what bad happens in my life, I can blame it on Susan. I'm really good at it. <laughs> I'm serious. We can, we can have a snowstorm, you know, and it's her fault. I, and I can justify it. And no matter what happens on the other side of the world, no matter what problems it are, it's like, Lord, this woman that you gave me? <laughs> I mean, I, I can actually justify that. I'm getting a little bit better at it now, you know. I'm better at not doing it. That's what I was talking about. But the Bible says, don't be bitter. Don't be bitter at nobody. We need to exercise our conscience to be void of offense toward our wives. We need to forgive them from really things that they've done, and we need to forgive them for the things that we just imagined that they did. <laughs> or they didn't did that they should have did. You know what I'm saying. But them little old things... The Bible says don't be bitter because it will put a big old devil's foot in your door and he'll come in and wreak havoc in your life. If, if you're resentful, if you're bitter, if you're, you're nursing, we just got to forgive everybody, including the people in our home who we love the most. We've got to forgive them. Well, then Peter comes on the scene in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 it says, and then Peter came to him, Jesus, and he said, Lord, he's feeling pretty good and spiritual, Peter is. He says, Lord, how often shall my brother or my wife sin against me and I forgive him or her? And then he says, up to seven times? I mean, that sounds really spiritual. Forgive him seven times for the same offense. Verse 22, Jesus said unto him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but, but up to 70 times seven. Does anybody know how many that is? 490 times. Now, that's for the same offense. I mean, she puts your undergarments, your underwear, and your T-shirts in the laundry with her red dress. <laughs> so for six months, you got to wear pink T-shirts. Now, that's one offense, okay? So she burnt your supper. That's not two offenses. That's one burned supper offense. So you got to keep the numbers separate. She's got to do this thing to your T-shirts 490 times a day before you can't forgive her anymore. She's got to burn your dinner 490 times in a single day. Once the sun rises, you, you can't keep the numbers and carry them over. you got to start counting again. Nobody can do that. He says, forgive them as many times as they hurt you. Some of us have been hurt several times, have we not? By people. Some of it is accidental and some of it has been malicious. But Jesus said, you forgive them up to 490 times for that offense. And then you start over tomorrow. That's what he tells us. Now, we don't have time. Our time is getting away. Hopefully you're not angry for me taking a couple extra minutes, you know. But if you read Matthew 18 today, you'll see it. It's shocking. Absolutely shocking. Jesus said, if you do not forgive your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, your neighbor, your boss, your employee, if you don't forgive those who've hurt you, if you do not forgive them from your heart, Jesus is all. He says, my father won't forgive you. My father will turn you over to the tormentors, the Bible says, the torturers. And you know who the torturers are? Sickness and disease and poverty and chaos and confusion. And the list just goes on and gets worse. The Bible says God will turn you over to the tormentors if you choose not to forgive those who've hurt you. Jesus was abused in a horrible way and he forgave. And he tells us to follow his example. You read it for yourself. He said, we will be turned over to the tormentors. And some of you are experiencing what life is like being turned over to the tormentors because you go, I can't forgive. That's a lie. You won't forgive, but you can. 
through Christ who gives you the strength to do it. You can forgive anybody and everybody. Like Jesus, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You know, or if you go, well, they do. Well, Father, forgive them because they know what they're doing. I mean, it don't matter. Just forgive them. That's the main thing. Okay, then we're going to, uh, I think I'm going to stop with uh, one more verse and a half, okay? Psalms 119, verse 65, it says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. If, if you love God's word, you're tempted to be bitter at him or her or them or if they, but you love God's word, I'm going to exercise my conscience. I'm not going to take up offense again. I've already forgiven them, and I'm not going to take debate again tomorrow when I'm thinking about it. I was like, Lord, I forgave them already, and I declare them innocent and not guilty. And I'm not going to gossip about them or talk about them. I'm not going to think about them. Just please bless them. He says, here, great peace have they who love his law, and nothing shall offend or anger them. When you love God's word, you love it enough to not only hear it, but to do it, to apply it to your life. Okay, then we're going to, this is our last verse here. Mark chapter 11, verse 25. Have you ever heard somebody say, it's like, it just seems like my prayers aren't getting through. Seems like my prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling. They're not getting through to God. That's, that's possible. He says here in Mark eleven twenty five, 25, it says, Jesus was a matter of fact. He said, embrace this God life. Embrace this God life. That, that means to accept this God life and, and hold it close. Accept this God life. We're talking about having faith, trusting God, believing God. Jesus said, embrace this God life. Put God first in every area of your life. Do what he says to do. If he says forgive, forgive. He says, embrace this God life. Really embrace it. Verse 23 goes on to say, and nothing will be too much for you. Have you ever had people say it? Also, it's just too much. I can't handle it. It's just too much. He said here, if you'll embrace this God life, put God first in your life, nothing will be too much for you. This mountain, for instance, it might be a mountain of debt or a mountain of sickness or a mountain of misunderstanding, whatever it might be, this mountain, for instance, just say, go jump in the lake. No shuffling or shilly-shallying. And it's as good as done. You go, well, I don't believe that. It's probably because you got bitterness and resentment in your heart. Because see, when you set people free, it's easier to have faith and trust God. You see. But when you got resentment and unforgiveness in your heart, it's hard to believe God. He says here in verse 24, that's why I urge you to pray for absolutely... What's that next word? Verse 24... That's why I urge you to pray for absolutely everything. everything, ranging from small to large. Include everything as you embrace this God life. Pray about everything. When you embrace this God life, and you'll get God's everything. Embrace God, and God's going to turn around and work it for good. He's going to give you everything that he's got. God's going to do this for you. And then he goes on to say in verse 25, and when you assume the posture of prayer, when you make time to go and pray, remember that it's not all asking. He says, if you have anything against someone, you're angry, you're offended, you've got resentment, you're nursing a grudge about what they did. He said, if you're going to pray and God's going to answer but if you have anything against someone forgive did y'all hear that and what's the next two words only then once you forgive only then will your heavenly father be inclined to also wipe your slate clean of sins if you do not forgive others God don't forgive you did you know that did you know you can't go to heaven if you ain't been forgiven? Are you serious? I'm serious. We pray this way all the time. Our Father, we start in heaven. How to be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know? What do we pray? Forgive us our, our debts, which means transgressions, which means sin. Forgive me my debts, my transgressions, and my sins the same way I forgive old dirty, rotten scumbag who lives up there and... <laughs> 
God goes, you want me to forgive you the same way you forgive him? Is that what you want? If you don't forgive somebody else, I'm telling you, you don't have to like it. But if you don't forgive others, God will not forgive you. And, and your forgiveness, you, you going to heaven is dependent upon being forgiven. You become bitter and resentful and nurse a grudge, that thing will devour you. Now, I didn't say it. He said it. He says, if you have anything against someone, this is when you go to pray. If you got anything against someone, forgive. Only then, after you've forgiven them, you've exercised your conscience to be void of offense, will your heavenly Father be inclined to also wipe your slate clean. Forgiveness is unlocking the door to set a captive free, to set a prisoner free, only to discover that you was the prisoner. Because, see, when you have unforgiveness in your heart, you're the one who touched the bait. You're the one who's trapped. You're the one who's imprisoned. But once you forgive them, you go free. The door at your house gets closed at night. The devil can't come in and wreak havoc in your life no more. It is so important to exercise every day your conscience to be void of offense. No matter who hurt you, it's like God said to forgive, and I forgave them, not based upon feelings at all. I forgave them. I declared that they're innocent, not guilty. That's God's business. Bless them, Lord, and I'm moving on. I think about the next day, the next day, Father, I, I, I forgave them. I forgave them yesterday. I forgave them a month ago. I declared they're innocent, not guilty. You don't gossip about it because you'll, you'll put your hand right back on the, the bait again. You start talking about it, the feelings rise up for you. Don't do that. Exercise. Stay free. And then God will bless you and bless everything that you touch. He will prosper you. And everything that's going on that don't even look good is going to turn around and work together for great good in your life. And our time is way fast gone. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for giving us your word because it changes us on the inside. Help us to see things from an eternal perspective. Help us to follow the example that Christ gave. We want to be free. And, and we want that guarantee that you can work everything, whatever it is, together for good because we love you and are called to your purpose. So, Lord, we release all the bitterness. We release the grudges. We release the resentment. We choose right now, all of us, we choose to forgive those who've hurt us, no matter who she was, who he was, no matter what they did, it don't matter. No matter, we forgive and we declare them innocent and not guilty. Bless them, Lord, and help us to stay free and move forward. Remind us tomorrow to exercise. If the devil tries to trap us again with that same offense, we'll declare that they're already forgiven and they're innocent. Help us to exercise for the rest of our life so we stay free from those things, Lord. As our heads are bowed, would you join me in a simple prayer to reaffirm our faith in Christ right now together? Would you pray? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe you love me. I believe you got some great plans for my life. I believe the best is honestly yet to come. Thank you for sending Jesus. I believe he died in my place. He paid for my sins so I could be forgiven and so I could forgive others. I thank you that your power, it works in me because I'm weak. Thank you for your love and all your provision in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Now, before you go, you know, uh, I looked at the the weekly challenge. Did y'all notice it's written in red, my little weekly challenge? Did y'all notice that? You know, that was a divine thing. I was, you know, just sending the weekly challenge over to uh, Kathy Holder to print them and cut them. And I just, I didn't take the time to change the font and change the color. So she saw it's red and she printed it in red. I'm going like, I didn't know you could do that. I like it in red. That's awesome, you know. And it's a good one to have in red. It says, if you choose to agree with it, you probably already have. It says, I choose today to forgive everybody who has ever hurt me. I declare them innocent, not guilty. So if you agree to do that, just check it off, drop it in the tithe box and stay free. And if you prayed to me just a moment ago and you let Jesus come in your life, stop at the Connections desk. They got a gift bag for you. It's got a Bible and a bunch of other stuff that will inspire you. 
And if you're a guest with us today for the first time, let them know I'm a guest. we got an awesome gift for you. Just to let you know, we're glad you came. We hope you come back. And if you have some needs, there'll be folks around the altar who would love to pray with you. And I'm telling you, the God who we serve, he answers prayer. Especially when you've chosen to forgive everybody else, your prayers are a lot easier to be answered than when you're bitter and you're resentful toward people. So if you need some prayer, take advantage of those who will be praying for you. And then just get to know people as you're going out. High-five somebody. Shake somebody's hand. Get reacquainted. Give somebody a hug. God bless you. You are dismissed.